Chapter Thirty of the Ragged Trousered Philanthropists. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tig Hines. The Ragged Trousered Philanthropists by Robert Tressel. Chapter Thirty. The Brigands hold a council of war. It being now what is usually called the festive season, possibly because at this period of the year a greater number of people are suffering from hunger and cold than at any other time, the reader will not be surprised at being invited to another little party which took place on the day after the one we have just left. The scene was Mr. Sweater's office. Mr. Sweater was seated at his desk, but with his chair swung round to enable him to face his guests, Messrs. Rushton, Didlam and Grinder, who were also seated. "'Something will have to be done, and that very soon,' Grinder was saying. "'We can't go on much longer as we're doing at present. For my part, I think the best to do is to chuck up the sponge at once. The company is practically bankrupt now, and the longer we wait, the worse it'll be.' "'That's just my opinion,' said Didlam dejectedly. "'If we could supply the electric light at the same price as the gas, or a little cheaper, we might have some chance, but we can't do it. The fact is that the machinery we've got is no damn good. It's too small, and it's wore out. Consequently, the light we supply is inferior to gas, and costs more.' "'Yes, I think we're fairly beaten this time,' said Rushton. "'Why, even if the gas company hadn't moved their works beyond the borough boundary, still we shouldn't have been able to compete with them.' "'Of course not,' said Grinder. "'The truth of the matter is just what Didlam says. Our machinery is too small. It's worn out. It's good for nothing but to be trod on the scrap heap. So there's only one thing left to do, and that is go into liquidation.' "'I don't see it,' remarked Sweater. "'Well, what do you propose, then?' demanded Grinder. Reconstruct the company. Ask the shareholders for more money. Pull down the works and build fresh and buy some new machinery. And then most likely not make a do of it after all. Not for me, old chap. I've had enough. You won't catch me chucking good money away after bad in that way. Nor me either, said Rushton. Dead off, remarked Didlam very dejectedly. Sweater laughed quietly. "'I'm not such a fool as to suggest anything of that sort,' he said. "'You seem to forget that I am one of the largest shareholders myself. "'No, what I propose is that we sell out.' "'Sell out?' replied Grinder with a contemptuous laugh in which the others joined. "'Who's going to buy shares of a concern that's practically bankrupt and never paid a dividend?' "'I've tried to sell my little lot of several times already,' said Didlam with a sickly smile. "'But nobody won't buy them.' "'Who's to buy?' repeated Sweater, replying to Grinder. "'The municipality, of course. The ratepayers. Why shouldn't Mugsborough go in for socialism as well as other towns?' Rushton, Didlam, and Grinder fairly gasped for breath. The audacity of the chief's proposal nearly paralysed them. Oh, "'I'm afraid we could never get away with it,' ejaculated Didlam, as soon as he could speak. "'When the people tumble to it, there'll be no end of a row.' "'People? Row?' repeated Sweater scornfully. The majority of the people will never know anything about it. Listen to me. Are you quite sure we can't be overheard? interrupted Rushton, glancing nervously at the door and round the office. It's all right, answered Sweater, who nevertheless lowered his voice almost to a whisper, and the others drew their chairs closer and bent forward to listen. You know we still have a little money in hand. Well, what I propose is this. At the annual meeting, which, as you know, comes off next week, we'll arrange for the secretary to read a highly satisfactory report, and we'll declare a dividend of fifteen per cent. We can arrange it somehow between us. 
Of course, we'll have to cook the accounts a little, but I'll see that it's done properly. The other shareholders are not going to ask any awkward questions, and we all understand each other. Sweater paused and regarded the other three brigands intently. Do you follow me? he asked. Yes, yes, said Didlam eagerly. Go on with it. And Rushton and Grinder nodded assent. Afterwards, resumed Sweater, I'll arrange for a good report of the meeting to appear in the weekly Ananias. I'll instruct the editor to write it himself, and I'll tell him just what to say. I'll also get him to write a leading article about it, saying that electricity is sure to supersede gas for lighting purposes in the very near future. Then the article will go on to refer to the huge profits made by the gas company, and to say how much better it would have been if the town had bought the gas works years ago, so that these profits might have been used to reduce the rates, the same as had been done in other towns. Finally, the article will declare that it's a great pity that the electric light supply should be in the hands of a private company, and to suggest that an effort be made to acquire it for the town. In the meantime, we can all go about in a very quiet and judicious way, of course, bragging about what a good thing we've got and saying we don't mean to sell. We shall say that we've overcome all the initial expenses and difficulties connected with the installation of the works, that we are only just beginning to reap the reward of our industry and enterprise, and so on. Then, continued the chief, we can arrange for it to be proposed in the council that the town should purchase the electric light works. But not by one of us four, you know, said Grinder with a cunning leer. No, certainly not. That would give the show away at once. There are, as you know, several members of the band who are not shareholders in the company. We'll get some of them to do most of the talking. We, being the directors of the company, must pretend to be against selling and stick out for our own price. And when we do finally consent, we must make out that we are sacrificing our private interests for the good of the town. We'll get a committee appointed. We'll have an expert engineer down from London. I know a man that will suit our purpose admirably. We'll pay him a trifle, and he'll say whatever we tell him to. And we'll rush the whole business through before they can say Jack Robinson, and before the ratepayers have time to realise what's been done. Not that we need worry ourselves much about them. Most of them take no interest in public affairs, but even if there is something said, it won't matter much to us once we've got the money. It'll be a nine days' wonder, and then we'll hear no more of it. As the chief ceased speaking, the other brigands also remained silent, speechless with admiration of his cleverness. "'Well, what do you think of it?' he asked. "'Think of it?' cried Grinder enthusiastically. "'I think it's splendid. Nothing could be better. If we could only get away with it, I reckon it would be one of the smartest things we've ever done.' "'Smart ain't the word for it,' observed Rushton. "'There's no doubt it's a grand idea,' exclaimed Didlam. I just thought of something else that might be done to help it along. We could arrange to have a lot of letters sent to the editor of the Obscurer, and to the editor of the Ananias, and to the editor of the Weekly Chloroform, in favour of the scheme. Yeah, that's a very good idea, said Grinder. For that matter, the editors could write them to themselves, and sign them Progress, Ratepayer, Advance Mugsborough, and such like. Yes, that's all right, said the chief thoughtfully. But we must be careful not to overdo it. Of course, there will have to be a certain amount of publicity, but we don't want to create too much interest in it. Well, come to think of it, observed Rushton arrogantly, why should we trouble ourselves about the opinion of the ratepayer at all? Why should we trouble to fake the books or declare a dividend or have the articles in the newspaper or anything else? We've got the game in our own hands. We've got the majority of the council and, as Mr. Sweater says, very few people even take the trouble to read the reports of the meetings. 
"'Yes, that's right enough,' said Grinder. "'But it's just them few what could make a lot of trouble and talk. "'They're the very people we has to think about. "'If we can only manage to put them in a fog, we'll be all right, "'and the way to do it is as Mr. Sweater proposes.' "'Yes, I think so,' said the chief. "'We must be very careful.' I can work it all right in the Ananias and the chloroform, and of course you'll see that the Obscura backs us up. I'll take care of that," said Grinder grimly. The three local papers were run by limited companies. Sweater held nearly all the shares of the Ananias and of the weekly chloroform, and controlled their policy and contents. Grinder occupied the same position with regard to the Obscura. The editors were sort of marionettes who danced as Sweater and Grinder pulled the strings. "'I wonder how Dr. Weakling will take it,' remarked Rushton. "'That's the very thing I was just thinking about,' cried Didlam. "'Don't you think it would be a good plan if we could arrange to have somebody took bad, you know, fall down in a fit or something in the street just outside the town hall, just before the matter is brought forward in the council, and then have someone come and call him out to attend to the party what's ill, and keep him out till the business is done?' "'Yes, that's a capital idea,' said Grinder thoughtfully. But who could we get to have the fit? It would have to be someone we could trust, you know. How about Rushton? You wouldn't mind doing it, would you? inquired Didlam. I should strongly object, said Rushton haughtily. He regarded the suggestion that he should act such an undignified part as a kind of sacrilege. Then I'll do it myself if necessary, said Didlam. I'm not proud where there's money to be made. Anything for an honest living. Well, I think we're all agreed so far remarked Sweater. The others signified assent. "'And I think we all deserve a drink,' the chief continued, producing a decanter and a box of cigars from a cupboard by the side of his desk. "'Pass that water-bottle from behind you, Didlam.' "'I suppose nobody won't be coming in,' said the latter anxiously. "'I'm a teetotaler, you know.' "'Oh, it's all right,' said Sweater, taking four glasses out of the cupboard and pouring out the whisky. "'I've given orders that were not to be disturbed for anyone. Say when.' "'Well, here's success to socialism,' cried Grinder, raising his glass and taking a big drink. "'Amen. Ear, ear, I mean,' said Didlam, hastily correcting himself. "'What I likes about this ere business is that we're not only doing ourselves a bit of good,' continued Grinder with a laugh. "'We're not only doing ourselves a bit of good, but likewise we're doing the socialists a lot of harm. When the ratepayers have bought the works, and they begins to kick up a row because they're losing money over it, we can tell them that it's socialism. And then they'll say that if that's socialism, they don't want no more of it. The other brigands laughed gleefully, and some of Didlam's whisky went down the wrong way and nearly sent him into a fit. You might as well kill a man at once, he protested as he wiped the tears from his eyes. You might as well kill a man at once as choke him to death. And now I've got a bit of good news for you, said the chief as he put his empty glass down. The others became serious at once. Although we've had a very rough time of it in our contest with the gasworks company, and although we've got the worst of it, it hasn't been all lavender for them, you know. They've not enjoyed themselves either. We hit them pretty hard when we put up the coal jewels. A damn good job, too, said Grinder malignantly. Well, continued Sweater, they're just as sick of the fight as they want to be, because, of course, they don't know exactly how badly we've been hit, for all they know, we could have continued the struggle indefinitely, and, well, to make a long story short, I've had a talk with the managing director and one or two others, and they're willing to let us in with them, so that we can put the money we get for the electric light works into gas shares. 
This was such splendid news that they had another drink on the strength of it, and Didlam said that one of the first things they would have to do would be to totally abolish the coal dues, because they pressed so hard on the poor. End of chapter 30